You're listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast series. The Evil of Self-Sacrifice by Aaron Smith. Recorded as part of Ayn Rand Con Europe 2022. All right, thank you. Where do I not get the echo? Okay. Uh, so thank you. Um, I was inspired by the physical state of the room yesterday uh, to completely revise what I was going to say. Uh, last night. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, my thought was the room is very kind of shallow and wide, so you're very close to me. And I, I just, I guess what I thought was, like, what do I want to say to these people and what's helpful? Um, and rather than giving a talk, you know, but like, what do I have to say that I think is important for people to know and to um, have a better understanding of in particular? Um, and my talk's the, the evil of self sacrifice. And I think we're this is an issue on which uh, people in general, um, but also objectivists, I think, uh, can tend to need a lot of work. I think there are respects where, um, in which we, we, we don't have a full handle on what altruism is, and we don't always have a full handle on why it's evil. Uh, again, there was a question uh, for Ankar in the last talk about, like, what do you mean by evil and so on? And, um, I mean, there are objectivists even who are not super comfortable with, uh, you know, the virtue of selfishness, even calling it selfishness. Why does she use that word? How come she doesn't pick a different word? It's so provocative. Um, and that makes people uncomfortable, even people who are you know, advocates in some way of, of self-interest and so on. Um, so what I wanted to do was talk about uh, the need to understand several things better or to be better at certain kinds of things. Um, one is getting clear about the nature of our moral culture, and others getting getting clearer about the nature of altruism. Like, what what exactly is it? What is it? Um, what does it amount to in the end? And, and the reason to, I mean, obviously that's the, the object under discussion here. So obviously that's what we're gonna we're gonna get to. But I think getting clear about what the essence of um, self sacrifice or the morality of self sacrifice. Um, I think that's essential to understand why. Ayn Rand regards it as evil. That's a strong term, evil. Um, and so to, to really get that clear in your mind, I think it's helpful. Because if you're really going to try to expunge that sort of um, conception of morality from your own lives and to, and to learn how to really stand up to it uh, in the culture, I think you really need to understand all the way down that it's evil. And not just that it's problematic or if you take it to extremes, it can be a real problem so on. Um, but to get that. And, and then thirdly, so what is altruism or what is self-sacrifice and why is it evil? And then the third thing, just to talk a little bit more, how would you put this, about more methodological issues or ways, ways in which we can help um, get morality out of our system on the one hand and also to be better at defending a morality of life in the face of sort of attacks and so on. So I'll say some more methodological things at the end. Uh, okay, so now we can get started. Um, and I think, I think it's right to think that uh, the essence of I mean, what we call conventional morality is in general what is widely accepted, what is pervasive around us, and some of the ma major themes of what sort of bubble up to the surface as the major themes in, the, in our moral culture. And I think it's right to say that the essence of uh, the essence of our moral culture is it centers around the issue of self-sacrifice. Um, 
you can step back a little bit from that and say more widely that the whole focus of ethics, uh, I think, in our culture is other people. It's what you do for other people. It's other-oriented. I think there's very little in our culture that talks about self-interest um, and the pursuit of your own personal happiness in moral terms and tells you to think about that as a, as a moral endeavor, as a moral pursuit, as a moral achievement. You might get congratulated if you find that you have a successful career, you're good at what you do, you're a Steve Jobs, right? You might get some admiration. People in the tech world, in the business world, they might pat you on the back and look up to you in certain ways, but not from a moral perspective. We're never taught to think about that from a moral perspective. Um, and one of the things Ayn Rand's trying to teach you to do is you should start thinking of that more uh, from a moral perspective. Um, but the way we think about it now is it's essentially about other people. It's what you do for other people. Um, the more you do, the more admirable. Um, the less your motives are self-interested, the less your motives are to gain, to benefit, to profit, the less that, that's your motive, the more admirable. And this is pushing you toward, it's, it's not just about helping people. It's more about you should sacrifice yourself to other people. You should sacrifice your own goals and so on, your own... Uh, resources, your own time, and so on. Um, so, as, as as you know, as many of you must know, if you've read some of how, how much, uh, how many people have read both of uh, the Fountainhead and Atlas Road? Okay, how much? The Virtue of Selfishness, the book. Okay, good. Um, so, as you know, uh, altruism mean, literally means otherism, uh, and I think the essence of this. Uh, is that is that you as an individual don't count and that there's some other thing that counts that you have to sacrifice yourself for. This comes in many forms. It can be family. Family comes first. Um, it can be God. God is what you should subordinate yourself. God is what you should please. God is what you should uh, obey and so on. And what you happen to want or desire doesn't matter. So you've got family. You've got God. Uh, Ankar mentioned the environment. You know, there's, there's some nature. You should in a sacrifice for nature, we should put uh, much of human progress aside, human wealth, well-being and so aside for, for the sake of nature. Um, you've got society, the nation. There's all sorts of things that you're, you're told to in one way or another. That's what counts and you don't. Um, and this kind of thing shows up in the culture in all sorts of ways. So one of the points uh, today is just how pervasive this attitude is. Um, and there was a recent article in uh, Scientific American advocating a ban on doctors coming to the U.S. and to the U.K. from third world countries. You were in the middle of a pandemic, right? Their, their life is not good in these countries. The, the conditions under which they work are poor. The resources they have at their disposal are poor. Pay is low. Opportunities are at a minimum. And they want to take residencies you know, as a part of your medical training in the US and in the UK. Um, and the author of this article was arguing, no, the UK and the US, they should stop stealing doctors you know, from the third world countries. They should be prevented from doing that. Your, your nation needs you. Therefore, there's not that many doctors there that are qualified to do this kind of work, and they need you. And the whole attitude is, well, what about the doctors? What about the doctors who want to pursue a better life? What about 
They, they want to advance their life. They want to make more money. They want to work with better conditions. They want to have better tools at their disposal. They want to advance their life. What about that? Well, that doesn't count. Your nation needs you. And that's taken as, yeah, that's not surprising. You don't have like outrage when you read the art, an article like that. That's, that's pretty standard. Um, I take another example. Uh, businessmen who want to hire foreign employees. You save, on, save money on labor costs, right? They want to be more competitive uh, in their market. Maybe they're competing against larger, more successful firms, and they're trying to be more competitive in that market. They want to hire foreign labor. And we hear all the time, we need American jobs. You know, and you should be prevented from doing that kind of thing. Uh, you can't f ship your factory over to, you know, Thailand or wherever, and it's, no, we need American jobs, and so let's restrict the number of visas and you know, whatever it is, and just try to prevent foreign workers. You know, it, it's, it's another thing, because your nation, your nation needs you. America needs more American jobs or whatever, and our people need jobs here. And it's another case of, well, what, is, what about the businessman's view about what he wants his business to shape up like, what is, how competitive he wants it to be, what he kind of wants his profit margin to be. What about the people who want to take the jobs in the countries where he's hiring? What about them? They want to advance their life. They want to get a job. Nobody's forcing them to take the job. It gives them an opportunity. What about that? Well, it doesn't matter. You know, your nation needs you, allegedly. A university department. I mean, you can just pick 100 examples. of. I mean, a university department trying to hire more faculty for the department. And the department decides on a couple of candidates. Uh, and they're told that these candidates don't meet the relevant uh, diversity and equity requirements. You know, that they, they need to be choosing people of a different gender, people of a different race, people of a different uh, socioeconomic background. Some group somewhere allegedly needs something. They need more jobs. So you have to serve that. Well, what about the faculty's decision about who the candidates who, among the candidates who applied? Who is, who is most qualified given what they want? Who, what about their judgment? Well, that doesn't matter. Other people need things, allegedly, and you should just comply. Or just take uh, the welfare state that most of us live in. I assume most of us live in some form of a welfare state, if you're, you're from Europe or from the US. Um, the, whole, the whole system is based on the premise that need supersedes your interests. So you have a case where there's a, somebody doesn't have somebody lacks something. Somebody doesn't have health care, or they have health care that's not up to some certain kind of standard, or they don't have education, or education up to some sort of standard. They don't have income or enough income. Um, what are we supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to surrender some of your resources for that. Why? Because you think it advances your own life? No, that's irrelevant. It's like. People have need, somebody needs something, and therefore your intent, the whole thing of what you're supposed to do is to pay up, serve, and obey. Again, it's, the whole culture is shot through with this stuff, and it's treated as normal. And it's not just you know, business and so on. Uh, it's in philosophy, too. So, I mean, you take one of the major, major popular moral philosophies today is utilitarianism. So if you turn to philosophy, sort of what do you get? And this is a major... Uh, kind of very popular moral theory. It's, well, you should work for the greatest happiness for the greatest number. So, yeah, you count about that much. And so you just get completely washed out in the hole, right? Because the idea is you're supposed to work for the greatest happiness for the greatest number. You're supposed to work for the, 
greatest good or outcome for the widest number of people. Well, you're just one little element in that. I've heard objections to objectivism saying, uh, yeah, to say, to say there are, are moral culture is all about uh, self-sacrifice and it doesn't matter about you and you don't count, that's not true because you count a little bit in utilitarianism. I mean, and you get people like Peter Singer, who's a very well-known Australian philosopher who's a utilitarian, you're advocating that most of us in the West, or all of us in the West, should radically reduce our standard of living so that we can give away stuff to the poor uh, in other countries and so on. Um, and this is mainstream. And so this is, I think, in general, this is what, this is what the morality of self-sacrifice amounts to. It's that you don't count, and that mora what morality demands of you is self-sacrifice. And self-sacrifice means you're surrendering your values. And this is why you get the, in the, the previous talk, we had a slide about this, but this is why one of the major symbols of an icon of morality or an exemplar of morality is Christ on the cross. Um, it's that the guy's supposed to be the perfect, the morally perfect, and he sacrifices himself for the sinners, for the low, for the wicked. And that, that's a whole, the whole point of that is to, like, what's the word, extol to idolize self-sacrifice. Um, and Christians are told to follow, in, follow his example. And that's one of the major reasons why you get this, like, we should be sacrificing as well. We should be doing, in effect, what Jesus did. Um, so I think that, this is how I, I think it's best to capture uh, what's, I think, what's essential and pervasive about our moral culture today. It's the expectation and the demand that, uh, for self-sacrifice and that that's the essence of the moral. If you profit, it's not as moral. Um, if, you, if you suffer from it, that's more moral, that's more admirable. So the second thing I think it's, it's to get, first to get clear about that, just to, it, it's sort of its naked essence, and not to kind of um, think of it, well, we, you can ask me about this later, but I don't think it's right to think about it so much as helping others. I think, there, it's, I think it's worse than that. I think that's the, um, the way in which it's sold to better people, is you tell them it's about helping others, and they think about some kind of positive outcome. But I think in the end, it's really about they want you to sacrifice. They want you to give up, if you can ask them. Um, and the second point is just to understand fully why objectivism, well, forget objectivism, why self-sacrifice is evil. And I think as an orientation to this, think about, um, think about your own lives. I think much of, much of our lives is constituted by, it's made up of pursuing values. I mean, I think literally most of our lives is spent, you're pursuing a job, you're pursuing a career, you're pursuing an education, you're pursuing a romantic partner, you're, you're trying to set up a vacation, you're coming to a conference. Right? It's, it's, you're actively looking around and trying to find values and then to go pursue them and get a hold of them and use them and enjoy them so that you can do more of the same uh, and really kind of advance your life. And a lot of what your life is spent is doing that. And I think it's more than that, is that the process of life is a process of value pursuit. I mean, life as such. We had an image of a flower trying to struggling to survive in a sort of a drought um, environment and so on. All of it is about pursuing the values that its life requires. 
and that the essence of life is that is that is that pursuit and that this is in fact why i mean that fact about the nature of life and that you need value you need to pursue values you need to obtain values to advance and sustain your life that's the whole reason why you need a morality like if you ask yourself, why do you need guidance in life why do you need any guidance why, why, do you have, why, why, why should you live in one way rather than any other way? Is it just arbitrary? And I think what sets the, the real reason why you, need, why you do need to pursue values and you need to pursue specific values and you need to pursue and develop specific virtues is precisely this need that you have because you're a living organism which has specific requirements. You need to function in certain kinds of ways and you need to figure out what those are and then embody them. So this is why you need a morality. And so what a morality properly teaches you is what to value and how to function in life so that you can sustain and enrich your life. And what does is, what is the morality of self-sacrifice teach you about what should your basic orientation be toward value? What should it be? Give it up. I mean, this is the sense in which Ayn Rand thinks that, that altruism is anti-life. And someone asked the, the question about the evil. The evil is the anti-life. It's that which opposes, hinders, destroys it. Now, you, uh, one, of the things, uh, one of the many things that Ayn Rand offers you is uh, that it's new, is a new standard of value, a new standard, a new measure by which to determine what goes in the box Good, what goes in the box, evil. Like how to sort out good from evil, um, values from anti-values. And she's saying the standard you should be using uh, is life, man's life, the requirements of life, and so on. So if you evaluate the morality of self-sacrifice, the demand that your basic response to values should be to give them up, it's, this is evil. This is, this is, this is exactly evil. It, it, it's a, it like purified form. It's, it's, I remember she was on an interview with, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Phil Donahue, I think it was, and Phil Donahue's like, what's your problem with altruism? Why do you think that's so bad? Or say, like, why, why are you opposed to it or something? And she says something like, what's wrong with suicide? I mean, that's the way you hold it in your mind. It's like, what's wrong with just throwing your life away? I mean, like, what kind of question is that? Um, and I think that's how she holds it. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's right to hold it that way. Um, because to demand that what's your basic response to values is to be is to give them up to surrender them is an attack on on life it's an attack on the self it's an attack on living as such it's an attack on the whole pursuit of life um, and in that respect it, it it's evil right? um, one of the ways in which this uh, affects us a lot is that when, you, when, you, when your basic perspective on morality is that of self-sacrifice, or what she calls altruism, what it does is it sets up, a, uh, that view of morality sets up a fundamental and I think tragic con uh, conflict between the requirements of morality and the requirements of life. On the one hand, morality says, if you're going to be fully moral, and you think of morality in terms of self-sacrifice and so on, if you're going to be fully moral, that means full sacrifice. That means something like a Jesus on the cross. It means something like a Mother Teresa. Uh, it means not pursuing any personal values. 
And whenever your response to values should be, give them up to surrender them. What's the first thing a person learns from uh, about what morality has to offer them? It's got nothing to offer them. The first thing you learn, if that's how you taught them to think about morality, the first thing you learn is morality is your enemy, for sure. And so we don't, what you don't find is people running off to go join a convent or to be like Mother Teresa. I mean, how, how many of you want to live like that? How many of you want to live like that? You want to be like a Mother Teresa? You want to immolate yourself for others? Yeah, I don't either. You selfish bastards, right? <laughs> it's the, it, because you really, though, when you're taught to think like, but that's selfish. And when you equate it's selfish with it's immoral. It's you're wrong. Something's wrong with you if that's your approach. And that's what we're told. But it creates this conflict. Morality means self-sacrifice. So on the one hand, you've got life is over here. Life, values, love, achievement, pride, all of this is over here. Morality is over here. Self-sacrifice, give up, surrender, obey. Suppress yourself. And so most people don't run off to be a Mother Teresa. Some people will simply say, if that's what morality is about, to hell with morality. You know, and you kind of lean toward a kind of a cynical amoralism where you're like, yeah, yeah, morality. That's for suckers. Um, which I don't think is a good, <laughs> I don't think that's the right approach to morality. Uh, but, uh, but what I think most of people do, and what most of the better people do, um, better people, who, I mean, in other words, who haven't discovered a, a, another, a, another option, another alternative, a different moral perspective, uh, is that they compromise. And so they, they, they pursue values, they pursue their self-interest uh, to some extent, not fully, not fully confidently. And then they sort of pepper their lives with a little altruism and self-sacrifice to give a moral flavor. So they don't feel so guilty so that they can sort of they don't want to be a good person, after all. They want to think of themselves. And I think you should want to think of yourself as a good person, as moral. Um, so I think they kind of they try to pay homage to both sides. They, they pursue their interests, because that's, you know, otherwise I'm just throwing my life away. But then I, can't, I don't want to think of myself as, yeah, I'm one of these selfish people who just doesn't care about morality. And so you kind of want to, I don't know, I don't know what you do. Maybe you give a little charity and so on. Maybe you just feel guilty. I think that's what happens. And so I think, I think if you can fully get like what the essence of, uh, of the al this altruist morality is that it's self-sacrifice, and that when you think about in the morality in terms of what life requires, what happiness requires, what flourishing requires, that in, and can fully get that, that, that altruism is an anti-life, it's an attack on life, it's an attack on the self. Let me say one word on this before moving to the next point. One of the most common things, somebody asked also why why is this such that people think of selfishness as so bad? I think it's, it's common to think of the self as the source of evil. So why do we need a morality? If you ask people, if you ask many people today, it's, well, because people are self-interested. Right? So you have to curb self-interest. Self-interest is the problem that morality is designed to solve. Like, if you guys were all pursuing your self-interest, life would be hell, you'd be horrible, and so we need morality. So it's like the self is, this, in a sense, is thought of as the source of, of, of evil, 
It's the source of all the problems. Um, and so you need to tamp down on the self. You need to suppress the self and curb it in effect. Uh, it's one of the reasons why it's so anti-self uh, today. Um, okay, so something about altruism or the, the morality of self-sacrifice and then why it's evil. It's, it's an attack on life, it's an attack on the self and it's an attack on values. Um, I want to turn to a few methodological points, uh, I think, because there are ways in which um, I think we can be better or I think people in general should be better or more on the lookout for certain kind of um, ways in which they can prevent sort of altruistic premises from sort of infecting their thinking. Um, and I think also the advocates of selfishness today uh, tend to slide isn't the word. They tend to fall more on the defensive. And I think that's a problem. Um, I think if you understand what, what life is about and what more living is about and what valuing is about and what morality is about, you should be on the offensive, if you want to put it that, or not on the defensive. The altruist should be on the defensive. Um, so I'll say a few things about that. One has to do with not accepting altruist premises. I think it, this happens all the time. Or giving in to arguments from intimidation. So, arguments from intimidation. Well, the first question we get is, what about the poor? Right? What about the handicapped? It's the first thing on their mind, because the idea is, well, if, if you don't have an answer to that, if you don't have some sort of moral obligation to serve them in some way, it's not even a morality. <laughs> It's off the table at the outset. So I won't even consider this as an option unless you have an, uh, an answer to that kind of question. Why do you hate the poor? I mean, Ayn Rand got, if you see a clip on YouTube, somebody asked her in a Q&A, like, why do you hate the poor? Uh, and her answer, I don't hate them. I just don't think they're the best thing in the world. Um, but it's, well, if, if you're an advocate of self-interest, if you're, if you're a, an opponent of altruism, it's, you must be mean, heartless, and cruel. You're not really advocating that, right? I mean, what's wrong with you? So you get that, so it's an attempt to sort of impeach your moral character uh, without addressing the argument. I mean, and you know, what about the poor? I mean, one of the, one of the answers to that question that Ayn Rand thought was a good one was, if you want to help them, no one can stop you. So it's a way of not accepting the premise, well, if there are poor people, something's got to be done, so now I have to kind of, what would be my answer to that? And you're trying to like solve that problem. And in fact, the first, I mean, there's a lot you can say about the, the poor under capitalism, you, you can talk about that. But the first thing is to not accept the premise that, you know, if there are poor, if there is someone in need, that creates or generates an obligation to resolve that need. And because that's the, one of the basic premises of, uh, of altruism. And to not accept it is that, yeah, well, if you want to help them, go ahead. You know, but don't, don't, but don't sort of adopt the luxury of helping them with other people's stuff. Um, you're mean, right? This is another one that comes up all the time. It's mean to not have an obligation to help other people. It's mean to simply say, look, I want to live for my own sake. I don't wish other people ill, but it's their own lives. They're not my responsibility. 
that's just taken this you're mean, mean-spirited, hard-hearted. And another way of addressing this is, you know what's mean? It's about treating other people as, 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 as means to your ends. What's mean is de denying every, uh, every individual the right to live for their own sake. You know, I mean, turn the tables on the altruists. I, you know, I think if you think about what, what's important in life and what it means to live, yeah, they should be on the defensive. I think it's mean to try to shackle every individual to these obligations to other people so that they can't live their own lives. They can't function by their own judgment. They have to subordinate their rights or their time or their efforts to other people. Another point is don't be disarmed, I think, by the, by the altruist who claims that he's not, look, I'm not asking you to sacrifice everything. I'm not asking you to be a Jesus or a Mother Teresa. Just some. And I, I think that's, I don't think that's, I don't think you should concede that. I think because once you, once you accept the idea that it's right that we, should, we have moral obligations uh, to serve other people, some, I think you just conceded the point. You've just dropped the principle that uh, you have the right to live for your own sake. So you don't have the right, what you're saying is, I don't have the right to live for my own sake, and I have these obligations that I have to fulfill, whether they advance my interests or harm them. And so you've just sold out the point. Uh, and so I think you have to sort of go on the hill for the principle that you, you, that you have the right to live for your own sake. Um, another point is try to help people have a wider, I mean, if you're arguing about this, you're discussing uh, morality with people, try to help people have a wider notion of what morality is. Because all they've been taught is morality means altruism, morality means other people, morality means self-sacrifice for others. Try to widen it. Um, and one of the ways you can do it, I mean, and if, if Ayn Rand is, is, is too provocative from the outset, is to point to the substantive moral theories in ancient Greece. And it's not just that it's Greece, it's that it's pre-Christian. So you look at pre-Christian moral theory, you take someone like an Aristotle. No, no Greek thinks that morality consists of self-sacrifice. I mean, all, all ancient Greek moral theories. There is some, some collectivism in some of them, um, and there is a certain, there are tinges of it in certain uh, thinkers. But the whole focus of, of all of Greek ethics is the individual's happiness and the individual's flourishing. And they, when they think of what's the goal of ethics, there's a question, what is the goal of altruism? But what's the goal of ethics? It's, well, it's to figure out what is the best life for a human being and how to live it. And everybody took that for granted. Even Plato takes that for granted. He has a different conception of the nature of the world and hence what should we should do. But it's, yeah, you should find out what's, what's the best life and how to live it. What's the most enviable life and how to live it. And also, if you take someone like Aristotle, um, who is, I think, the, the best moral theorist uh, of the ancient Greek world, he takes your life as an end in itself. So it's not that you, know, you owe something to the community, it's what are the kind of characteristics, what are the kind of virtues of mind and body that we have to sort of, uh, to kind of, or mind and character, I should say, um, to, 
fully realize our potential as rational agents. And so the goal of morality is to get, it, to get yourself to the point where you're fully rational in every aspect of your life, in your thinking, in your managing of your emotions, in your actions, uh, so, if, so that that can constitute a happy, fulfill, fulfilled uh, life. And so thinking about more, so it's not so much of an outlier, it's to, it's to highlight the idea that, that, this is a, that altruism is something stemming from a particular point in time where morality turned in a different direction away from this world, away from man's life, away from human happiness, and turned away to another world, and said no to this world, and said no to the body, and said no to happiness here on Earth. And it sort of changed the directions. Your focus should be elsewhere, not the self. And that's been secularized in the modern world and so on. Um, but to show them that there are other approaches to morality, which are substantive moral theories, um, to show them that there is something different. Um, and it's worth mentioning again, sort of kind of part uh, coming off what something Ankar said is, objectivism is an unconventional philosophy with an unconventional perspective about just about everything. Um, and her perspective on morality is, is definitely a clear case of this. Um, if you want to get or recapture uh, just how radical that perspective is, um, reread something I, I reread last night, um, and I was surprised how much of it just uh, on every line shows up. And that is um, the courtroom speech of Howard Rourke from the Fountainhead. Reread that after having heard this talk and heard Keith's talk, and you're thinking about altruism and self interest and what it really means, and how uncompromising his formulation of these points is in that speech. So it's uh, obviously it's in the Fountainhead, but it's also in for the New Intellectual because it's a selection of some of the major speeches, and it's on our website under the the, the title was the Soul of an Individualist, I think it is. Um, that I think in tone and in content, I think that's something we have to be able to fully learn to embrace. Um, and so I'll, I'll read you just one paragraph from that. He says, "I came here to say." that I do not recognize anyone, anyone's right to one minute of my life, nor to any part of my energy, nor to any achievement of mine, no matter who makes the claim. It had to be said, the world is perishing from an orgy of self-sacrificing. I came here to be heard in the name of every man of independence still left in the world. I wanted to state my terms. I do not care to work or live on any other. My terms are a man's right to exist for his own sake." End quote. Now that's the voice of self-esteem. That's the voice of someone who takes their life seriously. It's the voice of moral self-confidence, um, of a man's declaration for, uh, for his own right to live, for his own profit, for his own happiness, for his own sake. And I think this is what we need to learn to understand in a much better way and, help, and assert. So, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also find us on YouTube. If you like this content, please share or leave us a review. For more information, go to aynrand.org.